Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are continuing with a loosely fratty boy tinged kind of month of of wonderful films about dudes being dudes being dudes with uh saving silverman from 2001 directed by dennis dugan who is most known for directing a bunch of adam sandler movies he directed big daddy happy gilmore i now pronounce you chuck and larry you don't mess with the zoham grown-ups grown-ups too just go with it jack and jill (laughs) He's 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 been on the podcast then. He he has. He has done one non-Adam Sandler movie that I like, and that is 1990's Problem Child. People say that Problem Child is a bad movie and they are wrong. Um but Dennis Dugan <laughs> has the capability when in the right context. He has he can shine. A, he can yeah, sing. He can. Big Daddy, I think, is a good movie. Happy Gilmore, I think, is a good movie. He's made good movies before. I don't know what's going on here. Right. Um, yeah, Happy Gilmore is absolutely, I would say it might be my favorite Adam Sandler movie, but it holds up in my opinion. I, I don't know what anyone is doing here in this movie. No, I absolutely. have a lot of questions and I have a lot of feelings and concerns about everybody in this movie. He's, yeah, this is, this is, bad. so it was written by Hank Nelkin and Greg DePaul. And I'm trying to see what the other possible credits would be. I mean, of course it's two men because there's no way that this movie, this is, I was watching this with Kyle and, you know, Kyle has a thing about hyper masculinity in cinema. He hates it. Um, And so he'll get like upset uh, sometimes when he's watching stuff with me, but I have never seen him get as upset as he was watching Saving Silverman. He was he was fucking pissed. I'm glad uh, to hear that. That <laughs> makes me trust Kyle as a person <laughs> even more because the kind, the specific kind of toxic masculinity in this movie is really, it's it's definitely in line with the movies we've been covering, but it just enters a completely new territory, a territory of wonder and terror yeah, it looks like the only thing of note that one of these writers did was like a, a credit on Bride Wars, and like <laughs> that's 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 really it. And I'm sure that this person was not the masterminds behind Bride Wars. Which also, I just want to note how much I love the statement "the mastermind behind Bride Wars." I am getting that as a tattoo. Well, it's going to be my it was, tramp stamp. It's going to say "the mastermind behind Bride Bride Wars." Well, I don't. We, I think we did Bride Wars, but just just to refresh. Yeah, we if, did. If, yeah, if we didn't, Bride Wars like the big creative like influence in that was Casey Wilson and June Diane Raphael, who are who are both hilarious women who are good friends and they do projects together. So I just assumed that this was just the white guy that was brought in to make it less good. I I blame him for all of the issues with Bride Wars. I don't know if I did that in the original episode, but I'm doing it now. No, I think that's great because we get to scapegoat him because based on his work here, there's a lot to scapegoat. So no guilt. 
Yes. Yeah. So Saving Silverman, it stars Jason Biggs, Steve Zahn, Jack Black, Amanda Peet, Arlie Ermey, Neil Diamond, and Amanda Detmer, who is like a, a lesser known actress, but she's but she's in Drop Dead Gorgeous, the cult classic. Love you know, she, she's she's in the Majestic, uh, that that Jim Carrey movie. So she's done a Jim Carrey movie. She's in she's in Boys and Girls, which I don't know. I, I can't remember if we've done Boys and Girls yet. We haven't um, done Boys and Girls yet. I know it's in our Google Doc, but um, we have yet to venture into it. Okay, so we're going to do Boys. So yeah, Amanda Detmer is like one of those like lesser known um, actresses from the 90s and early 2000s. And she seems she seems nice. I wish, I w- I wish that there was more for her. Uh, Saving Silverman, it's the story of three best friends. Uh, there's Steve Zahn, who is the, uh, the, I mean, it's like, he's not, but he really thinks that he is the alpha. So he believes that he is an alpha male. He's just basically a regular guy. He's just Steve Zahn, but that's who he thinks he is. And then Jack Black is the, the one who they make all the chubby jokes for Jack Black really doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. And I and I remember Kyle just being like, I've never seen Jack Black not charming before. And it's true. He's bad in this. And it's because he's written to be... He's, he's written, written to be really bad. Badly. There's a few scenes where I did see him try to do the Jack Black thing. And, you know, as much as could be mustered for this role. But yeah, he's really wasted on this role. He's basically kind of the sidekick for the Steve Zahn character. You know, Steve Zahn acts like he's alpha and then Jack Black just kind of does his bidding. And then, you know, Jason Biggs is their friend Darren, who I guess they just think is the golden boy. They just yes. think he deserves it all. The the titular Silverman, um, Darren Silverman. And it, it's one of those dynamics where it's like they grew up together and it's like we've always had to protect Silverman because he falls in love with girls and then he doesn't like he doesn't protect himself and he gets taken advantage of. And if you look at the poster saving Silverman, it is it it's the, it's Jack Black and Steve Zahn in the background. There's Amanda Pete standing there, you know, looking like Amanda Pete, and then there's a giant hand with with red there's a giant hand with red (laughs) fingernail polish and her thumb is like directly on his back and it's like he is under the thumb of women and he needs to be the whole movie is basically we men need to be liberated from the tyranny of women oh. because they tell you what to do and they make you change your clothes and they <laughs> it's yeah it's just, like women have been ruling things long enough women my have been girlfriend having... once made me change my shoes because there was a hole in them <laughs> like it's like it's so funny it's like it's like if a comment about misandry was made into a movie it's like a redditor commented about the tyranny of of misandry because like an ex didn't like his haircut and that became a psychotic movie starring Steve Zahn. That is what Saving Silverman is. This is like a oh, red. This is like God. a red pill movie. This is a red pill movie. This is just. It's just. It's so okay. So yeah, so, it's, but, it is absolutely a red pill movie. I do not throw that around lightly, but this a hundred percent is. This is like a manifesto. Yeah, and part of the reason why, also internationally, this movie is known as Evil Woman. 
Okay, that's gorgeous. I love this great film. That's so funny. Like at least, at least internationally, the translation is just honest. Like it's like what the movie's actually saying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so like. And also, for some reason, this movie has a fixation with Neil Diamond, which culminates in, spoiler alert, him showing up at the end of the movie. And it's, it's okay, so I'm supposed to believe that three guys in 2001 are obsessed with Neil Diamond. The whole time I was just like, really? Really? Right, exactly. Like, it was so funny to me because it really did feel like... It was trying to be, I mean, because it was based on a lot of 80s movies, that was the kind of energy of the movie, that the references were old. And I get I get doing the whole, when I was a kid, this is who was popular. Uh, I, get, I get that as a flashback tool, but Neil Diamond felt so forced. And that's nothing against Neil Diamond. He's fine. It was just like, okay, this is supposed to be a thing in the movie and it and it's not working like it's one of the only things in the movie that is not innately misogynistic but it still doesn't work somehow yeah it's yeah because it also it starts with steve zod as if the movie is about him and it's really not and so it's weird that like because it starts with uh him he's like watching a tape of neil diamond and then he does like the kind of narrate narrative of like him and his friends at school yeah well also there's like it, it shows his mom pregnant with him at a neil diamond concert and that's considered his first neil diamond concert and he's just like okay if we're starting with your you as a fetus then the movie should be about you if the movie is not about you why why didn't it just start with because then it moves on to the flashback in the school where you see all of the stuff that's going on you know jack black is drinking milk even though he's lactose intolerant silverman likes a girl and then the girl tricks him and like he trips over a jump rope and then steve little steve zahn tries to like whoop the girl's ass and of course the girl whoops his ass and like all of that that should have just been the beginning the neil diamond thing is so weird it is and like that beginning you would think the whole movie was about neil diamond fandom like it is about a few friends who go on a road trip to see neil diamond maybe they meet women there like it is about this mother and her son's relationship and like somehow it ties back to Neil Diamond. (laughs) But no, it's just a choice that was made among many choices that were made, which is the nicest way I can talk about this movie is by saying a lot of choices were made. A lot lot of of people were there implicated in these choices. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many choices. Uh, not, not a lot of great choices. So we get to high school, and this is this is when it gets even weirder. So uh, Steve Zahn is on the football team, but like, not like he's like a third string, which I didn't even know that high school had a third string um, football guy. And Arlie Ermy from um, Full Metal Jacket fame is the coach and he's one of those like hyper masculine like uh, uh, you know you gotta blah 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 you gotta he gives him a talk where he's like don't mess with women just jack off all they want is he goes all they want is your man juice and i was like never have i ever had less of a sex drive than during that line it was it was disgusting and so that was so yeah steve's on the football team jack black is the mascot 
And then, oh no, Silverman, he's not manly enough because he's on the cheerleading squad. And, but then, but then he asserts his manhood by looking up the skirt of a girl that he's lifting up. And I was like, oh, okay, so we're not supposed to like you either. <laughs> yeah, like the movie gives us no chance to be on his side because the movie is so insecure about its own masculinity. It's like, we, I would have been down for Silverman being into cheerleading. That's cool. That's valid. But then it's like, don't worry. He still has no boundaries with women. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't respect them, even though he's on the squad with them. I was like, oh, okay. Thanks, movie. <laughs> yeah. And so he has like a very like kind of like bubble boy kind of situation where he's in love with this girl who's on the cheerleading squad who's like super strong and she's part of like a circus family. And he considers her to be like the love of his life. But then the circus family had to leave. And like the mom was the bearded lady. The dad was the strong man. The brother was the dog boy. And I can't believe I remembered all of that shit. That's wild that I remember that. Um <laughs> I'm impressed and worried for you. I I didn't even take notes because I was like, this entire movie is burned into my brain. There's absolutely no oh, reason yeah, no, to take I'm notes. Oh yeah, no, I'm so traumatized from that movie. If anyone ever brings it up, I will remember it. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so that was like his whatever love and he hasn't really been in love since. And then um, him and his friends have a Neil Diamond cover band. What's, what's the weirdest thing about this Neil Diamond cover band is that they actually sound good yeah and it makes like, <laughs> you know, Jack Black can play guitar like he actually can play music of course and then also I think Steve Zahn can actually play guitar so there's two people who can actually play instruments I don't know about Jason Biggs and his musical experience but I was like kind of into their band yeah <laughs> Jason like, Biggs like I, I liked his singing I I, I thought that <laughs> I thought that they I thought that they were really cute. Like, in those scenes were the only scenes that I liked of them Oh, yeah, no. If they were just playing music and I didn't have to actually know what they felt about anything, any of their perspectives or their personalities, I would like them. Like, just have them play some music and shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that yeah is the- exactly. It would be so- difficult to make a whole movie like that, but, you know, that's my request. <laughs> And so they're they're hey so they're having drinks one night and then Amanda Pete shows up and you know it's it's Amanda I guess Amanda Pete might be like in terms of because everybody knows who Jack Black is everyone knows who Steve Zahn is and Jason Biggs because they they have that kind of like cemented in the two thousands kind of energy where you always you always remember them. I don't know what it is about the 2000s where, like, anybody who appeared in movies during that time is, like, constantly remembered in a way that I don't really think is true for the 90s at all. No, I completely agree. I think it's, like, the perfect balance of being long enough ago that people look back, but not so long that they're forgetting. Yeah. Yeah, so Amanda Peet, she's been in a lot of things, if you don't know her, she was in The Whole Nine Yards and the sequel The Whole Ten Yards, uh, Changing Lanes, Igby Goes Down, Something's Gotta Give, which, uh, beautiful, the beautiful rom-com Something's Gotta Give. Oh, yeah, full of, full of a lot of things. <laughs> She's in future episode, a, lo- a future episode of this podcast, A Lot Like Love with Ashton Kutcher, which, yeah, we will oh, get to it. That's gonna be, that's gonna hurt. 
She's been in, so she's, she's been in a lot of films. She's been in a lot of television. Uh, she was on a show called Jack and Jill, which is kind of like one of those like shows where it's like, it's gone too soon. Like it usually comes up in those conversations and um, HBO show Togetherness also gone too soon. <laughs> a bunch of, she's in a lot of stuff. And also she's married to one of the guys who created Game of Thrones. And she made her future <laughs> debut in uh, Animal Room animal room yep. which i'm like i i just i'm looking at the poster which i realize is not very helpful I am, for listeners i am also looking at the poster like, and this is fucking the film insane. is referred to as a modernized version of a clockwork orange and no an appearance from the punk rock band the misfits so i don't know i feel like we need to watch this i know it's not on brand for the podcast but maybe just you and i as friends no we it. we we absolutely need to the moment i saw that poster, in the smut because it's a thriller Maybe like the moment that I saw Neil Patrick Harris in the poster, I was like, "Oh, absolutely!" Right? This so, is- if you're listening, and you know, I know we're not going to recommend people watch this movie, so that's one of the Amanda Pete vehicles you can explore. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Amanda Pete enters so the bar. Amanda Pete, Amanda Pete shows up, and it's a thing where she doesn't really want to deal with them. And then, like, a guy starts bothering her. The guy I think is is the other. Um, isn't he the guy that's that's in Tenacious D? The other guy, the other guy in Tenacious D. Oh, you know what? I didn't make that connection. I think that is him, but I'm not. Yeah, but I'm not is. sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Kyle Gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so she's getting hit on by him, and then of course, like Jack Black and Steve Zahn try to like get it, like get in there, and uh, you know Silverman's a little like uh, taking it back a little bit, like a little bit more reserved. But then you know she, it's the one of those things where it's just like, well, this is my boyfriend, so go away, and you know that kind of like trick thing, and then it actually turns into a thing, and they get together, and at first. Um, Jack Black and Steve Zahn are like really jealous because Amanda. I mean, Amanda Pete is a beautiful woman. I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, they're like, oh wow, how did how did a uh, Silverman get that mega babe? And they say stuff that's like way grosser than that. But I'm just gonna leave us with mega babe, mega babe. Yeah, mega babe is a nice is a nice place to leave it. Um, but then slowly, uh, she reveals herself. To, her name is Judith. Which I feel like is a name that is always kind of given to severe women. Like it's like Judith or um, what was B.B. Newworth's character's name on, on Cheers? Like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I think that was Lilith. I think she was Lilith. Yeah. yeah something about a name that ends in if. Like if there was an Edith, you know, she would also be severe. Uh, there's something about women with the last three letters ith that these movies love to pinhole or shows love to pinhole as like oh she is disagreeable we do not like that it's like she she's hot but she's also like very opinionated and she seems to have her own views that's a lot for us the big problem with this movie just just to be clear is that the thing is is that in any normal universe this would be a story about two guys who try to ruin their friend's relationship because they don't approve of her for no good reason. Like, in real life, it would just be for no good reason. It'd just be like, probably she's a feminist, she's empowered, for no good reason. Yeah. But, for this, but for this movie to work, they had to create reasons to hate her. 
Um, yes. And they that, are, that are yeah, <laughs> yeah, that are injected into her character that should not be there. Because the thing about it is, is that in real life they would try to they would try to pull this shit anyway, regardless of what she did. Oh yeah, if she argued with them at a bar once and made them feel insecure or challenged their intelligence, these characters would for sure try to pull Silverman away from her because also they they're kind of stuck in a high school mindset, not just emotional maturity wise, but in how they hang out and navigate the world. It's very like the three of us hang out every day, which is not a thing that people do in real life that much. No, but like you're adults. You're adults. Yeah, you can make another friend and see your friend when he's available. It's okay. Yeah, so so it's a movie where it tries so hard to make you hate the person who is probably the most reasonable and it, and it fucking sucks because so because we can't root for her so the thing about judith is that she's a therapist but she's one of those like fictional therapists who is always like using her therapy powers to manipulate people and like, Which, like i know it's a harmful <laughs> trope because the last thing we need is like mental health care being stigmatized or you know misinformation around it but it's such a funny one to me <laughs> like the evil therapist like as toxic as it is it's funny but yeah she is that trope of uh, that manipulative yeah. trope well i mean i feel like it takes a certain kind of like masculine or at least like old-fashioned energy to be like afraid of a therapist like to be afraid because really being afraid of a therapist is being afraid of knowing a truth about yourself or the people around you yeah absolutely but they treat her like she's some kind of fucking magician. <laughs> like she's like, like emotional intelligence is so foreign to us that we just assume it's witchcraft. Like that, that's basically what these characters are like. They're like the knowledge of self and interrogating why I act the way I do is actually so scary. This woman must be stopped. <laughs> So here are the bad things that she does. And I agree that they are bad. I disagree with the way that they're used because it's so strategic. Um, So she, she tells him what to do. She dresses him. She encourages him to not be around his friends. And what I consider to be like, those are all bad, but the most, the the thing that just made me be like, oh, y'all are just making shit up now is this idea her care judith doesn't want to have sex uh, like penetrative sex until marriage so but she loves getting eaten out and then as soon as she gets eaten out she goes to sleep because she doesn't want to suck any dick now this woman okay here's the thing (laughs) it doesn't even make sense in universe that she's like this because amanda because judith does not come off christian at all does not come off religious does not come off conservative she dresses very she dresses hot but like she's revealing and she doesn't talk about god she doesn't wear a cross like it's nothing this is just something that they wrote and Amanda Pete can't even sell it. No, it's because so it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. I wish they just made her not want to go down on him. <laughs> like and not added the I mean, I know that they make her like that, but like they don't add and didn't add the Christian stuff. I wish they just made their sexual desires incompatible. But the movie couldn't do that because it had to make her cartoonish so that we would hate her. And, and it's just like the the telling him what to do is enough but also if you see that your friend is being told what to do 
the logical thing to do is to just be like, okay, we need to sit down and we need to have a conversation about how you're being treated. And, you know, you need to assert yourself. Like, you know, what they never really tell him to do, like they, like they, like they, I think they think that they do it, but they never really say, stand up for yourself assert yourself have some self-respect they don't do that because they don't know how to they don't know how to communicate that and they they should be able to communicate it because it's a fucking it's a pretty fucking easy thing to say but there there's just like so little emotional intelligence that they have to do all this so instead they just like talk about her she was just like they just trash her and like call her a bitch don't call her a bitch because the thing is is that this is her behavior. Behavior can change. This movie is so weird in the sense that it's like, oh, she's always going to be this way. Have you considered just breaching the topic with her like a regular person instead of treating her like the hell bitch all the time? Right. And it's also like Darren doesn't actually seem unhappy. And that's one of my things is Silverman doesn't seem unhappy. And I don't know if the movie's just trying to say that he's so controlled that we don't know how he really feels because his character is so bland. We don't really know how he feels in the whole movie. Like he's just kind of like, oh, this girl, now this woman, now this woman. And he's just kind of floating about. So it makes it even stranger that his friends are reacting so strongly because they're like, like you said, if they were like, hey, she's mistreating you and we love you and we're your friends. Are you okay? Do you need anything? How can we support you? That would be one thing. But instead, all the interactions are him just casually being like, oh yeah, you know, she changed my shirt and then being like, that fucking whore. And I'm like, this doesn't seem productive. It's so, yeah, it's so, and I mean, there's a, and so when he stops spending time with them, you realize why, because they're just being so shitty they are like they have a lot of talk speaking of behaviors they have a lot of toxic behaviors so the other thing is obviously i don't agree with her trying to control him at all but if if the only thing that she had done was not want him to hang out with those friends i would get it because they're a bad like they're not they don't bring out the best in him (laughs) like it's not a good deal yeah, no, they they really don't. And like the thing also is that he doesn't really seem to be happy to be around them. Like he's yeah. happy to he's happy to see them, but once he's there, they act in such a way where you could just tell the look on his face is like he can't wait to go home because they just refuse to like be chill. They have well, no they're chill. So immature that anytime he is kind of like, oh, I don't know if you should say that. They assume, oh, this has to be Amanda Pete controlling you. Why would you ever disagree with anything? But I think sometimes Silverman just feels uncomfortable with how, like, uh, I mean, misogynistic, but aside from that, just how weird they are in public. Like, they don't even know how to... You can be loud and fun and weird in public without being a menace to the whole room. <laughs> they have no they have no decorum. They have no home training. They are just fucking... They're just fucking monsters. They're, yeah. just, they're just fucking monsters. And it's... And you want to compare this to, I don't, like, the way if you want to do this. If you wanted to do that, he's in an abusive relationship and he's very unhappy thing. You know, you know what did that great? Parks and Rec. When part when um when one of the Tammies I can't remember which Tammy but there is a part where like Ron goes back to an abusive Tammy. I think it might be the one played by Megan Mullally. And and like 
you you like when you see him he's uncomfortable he's like eating and drinking things that like in like he's just he seems uncomfortable he seems like i think he was like constipated like he was physically uncomfortable he was dressing in a way that like wasn't like you could see like on on nick offerman's face i do not want to be here i feel like i am trapped and then they had to save him from tammy too and like that was that was clear but the thing is is that when we see jason biggs with judith when we see silverman with judith he's fine he's doing fine yeah there's no signs there's no body language there's nothing that he really says to them that's actually about his feelings or conveying his feelings he looks like he's doing just as well as he was before if not better and so it's like yeah, the movie doesn't do the idea of her being an abusive or manipulative partner justice at all. Because obviously I would side with I, I would side with his friends even if I mean not given everything that happens, but we'll get to it. Um I would side with their perspective naturally in real life if any of it felt actually real but the writing is so bad because it also just goes back to like the writing of the female characters in this movie is so cartoonishly bad it's truly one of those movies where i wonder if any of them have met a woman (laughs) like i'm like abusive women exist you don't have to create a cartoon character that's like this attractive woman who has random traits like abusive women exist um, women are complicated humans. Like, why is this so, I know it's a comedy, but like, if you're going to make a choice, make a choice. And also Judith's motivations don't make any sense because later on you figure out that she doesn't even love Silverman and right. that she's basically just with him because she knows that he is a safe choice and that he will not hurt her, which is like, the thing about it is, is that it's framed as like, a really like evil bitch thing but it's actually really sad and the movie doesn't really understand that because it doesn't because like her it doesn't it doesn't come off as evil it comes off as she's afraid of love well yeah i mean there's a whole thing that basically her ex died because he was in like a a fucking boxing fight to the death. Like, I mean, it was so cartoonish, but she was with a guy who was really, because there's a moment where Steve Zahn is like, you seem like you'd be into somebody who's really alpha. And that seems like what you want. Why, why would he be with Silverman? And then she reveals that her ex was really alpha. And then he got, he got killed before her eyes. So now she doesn't want to go for that type, which I mean, again, the movie had to, it's a comedy. I get that it's supposed to be funny, but none of the jokes work. So all of the cartoonish choices that are supposed to be funny just are feel frustrating to me. You know, it's just really like, yeah. funny. At least do good writing. <laughs> like, yeah, and it takes good writing to be funny. And like, yeah. Yeah, it, it it just yeah, she just seems really sad. So th- so what they do is because um, he gets Silverman gets engaged to Judith, and they're like, no, we can't let this happen. So they're like, they take a couple attempts to 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 kidnap her, and they're just like all these like action scenes of just them trying to like attack her and her whooping their asses, and then them just keep they just keep on coming, and it's just like uh, number one the way that. I'm Amanda Pete like like battles them. It's like, excuse me, is this like Mortal Kombat? Like she, <laughs> she's she's amazing. She, like, she's, she's really like, going like, in. The thing is, obviously, I don't agree with what the movie wrote her to do with 
with Silverman. But outside of him, I thought she was amazing. Like she sets her boundaries. She is not afraid of these men. She somehow has these amazing fighting abilities. I was like, they accidentally, while trying to write a villainous female character, wrote a really cool woman I want to hang out with. <laughs> like, I was like, I want to get a drink with Amanda Pete and like hear about her life. Yeah, I would love to get a drink with Amanda Pete. And I would just be like, hey, maybe don't be abusive to your partners. Like, I feel like it would be like, I'd be her friend. And then like further on down the road, I'd be like, hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you about this because I think that you're a lovely person. And I don't feel like, not only do I feel like this behavior is unacceptable, but I also feel like it doesn't make you happy either. So maybe just stop. (laughs) Yeah. So much, so much. Everything in this movie could have been solved with a conversation. Like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but eventually they do kidnap her and uh, and they tell Silverman, oh, she's dead. And then they basically strategically try to set him up with um, Amanda Detmer, the girl in high school that he was that he was into and they have a lot they they immediately fall in love and what's wild about this is that like judith is kidnapped for a week and during that week judith let makes jack black realize that he is gay and like and like also like opens up to steve zahn about like her past trauma and and silverman falls in love with this girl that he has not seen since high school and moves in with her in a week. It is insane. I, so I am frustrating because I actually, I was having a hard time with the timeline of how long that was. I knew it wasn't very long. I didn't realize it was only one week. It was in one my head, week. Like, I thought it was a couple weeks, which I mean, even a couple weeks, that would be a lot. But one week... This also just shows that Silverman doesn't really know who he is or what he wants. I'm not saying you can't fall in love with someone fast. That happens all the time. But in a week to like move on from a relationship into another one where you move in, like that is obviously a rebound. <laughs> like there's no question. Also, the the character, the Amanda Detmer character, Sandy, she is again, very cartoonish. And it's supposed to be this contrast where like, she's super, super sweet and she's bubbly. And also she is going to become a nun. (laughs) She is. So there's this conflict where like, she's trying to become a nun because she used to be a trapeze artist and her former trapeze artist partner died in front of her. So both of the, why tell me why both of the women that get involved with Silverman have watched men die before their eyes. What the have fuck? watched the men they love die? Like, these women like, have to be traumatized to be with this Jason Biggs character. I do watching, not understand that choice. <laughs> watching that trapeze artist fall to his death, like I was just like, what I was, I was just like astonished. I was like, I don't even know. I, I would prefer to watch the movie about the trapeze couple, the tragic t- trapeze movie. That sounds way more interesting to me or the movie about Amanda Detmer becoming a nun, because I just want to say, so obviously she doesn't really, you know, she, she breaks her nun, her nun contract. I mean, she's not even full. Her whole convent thing is very confusing, but she obviously, you know, kisses, 
Silverman and she confesses that she has some sexual feelings, but there's all these different scenes where she's just with a bunch of nuns and they're like in a gym working out. I <laughs> like, love it. I love do, that they're like, working out in their habits. It was like, one of my favorite parts of the movie is just all the nuns in their habits just doing their life. And I was like, I want to fucking hang out with these nuns again far more interesting to watch them do their thing than to watch Steve Zahn become a kidnapper, attempted murderer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love the nuns love. Like it's, it's weird because like they gave these women, these like, these like wild backstories and what, and what it really did was make me want to watch stuff about them where the boys are not involved. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like thinking about these nuns, what, what brought them there? Where are they all from? What, what motivates them? Yeah. So, so that, yeah, they have their love story and it's really not based on much. Like she is a sweet blonde woman who is also very strong. So, but it's like, and so is Amanda Pete is also strong, but she's strong and mean. And um, Amanda Detmer is super strong like powerpuff girl strong and very nice and i'm just like okay sure i know right like okay sure uh whatever um so you know for a minute it seems like steve zahn and uh amanda peter gonna be a thing but then she escapes and then she goes and then she goes back to um she goes back to silverman and he's like oh i thought you were dead and she's like, no. And she's just like, it's been a week. Like, she literally yells, it's been a week. And that's when I realized it had been a week because she okay, said that. that. Yeah, she's like, what yeah. the actual fuck? I just, I, okay, I loved, like, the, my favorite part of the movie was just her completely losing her shit, realizing that she survived kidnapping and attempted murder, and that the man that she's returning to is just like, completely over the fact that she died in his mind and is now with someone new she's just like what in the actual fuck she is and she's right this is this is like it's so like silverman just seems like a fucking idiot like it yeah. just seems like are these the only two girls that you've ever known in your life that you just want like volley between the two of them so she shows up and then he's like okay i'm gonna marry judith again and so then like it's a whole thing where it's like breaking up the wedding also i guess i didn't mention arlie ermy um uh, the the coach so he like gets out of prison and you find out that like that's that's he's in prison because at a football game he he like impaled someone he like he just like he killed someone in front of an entire like this a large movie, amount of people like i feel like this movie is trying to be slapstick i get that it's trying to do that with these cartoonish deaths and i there's plenty of slapstick that i've enjoyed i think hot fuzz does a good job of that but this movie doesn't pull it off. So it just feels really, I wouldn't go so far as to say, you know, super grim and depressing, but it does border on that because there's just all this death. That's like, like just all this like brutal public death is part of it. And because the joke writing doesn't really quite hit, you're just like, damn, okay, so this guy's in prison for killing someone? That's pretty heavy. Yeah, and so he comes, and then he starts like living with like uh, Jack Black and Steve Zahn, and like in having like this whole man den thing together, and it's just weird. And they just and he keeps on like encouraging them to kill Judith. 
Yeah, it's terrifying. There's like a moment when he's still in prison where they visit him and they're like, hypothetically, if our friend was with like this awful woman and we kidnapped her, what do we do? And he's like, kill her. And I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Because this is like confirming all of my fears about men. <laughs> like, uh, what the hell? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, so this movie ends in like a wedding scene where basically Silverman has decided to get back with Judith because he's like, well, I'm so sorry, you know, sweet blonde woman, but I'm in love with her still. And I didn't know she was kidnapped and all this stuff. And I love how the movie kind of just skates around. Like we don't even see a scene where he's like mad at his friends for kidnapping and trying to murder his girlfriend. (laughs) Like it just goes straight to they're at a wedding. Like, okay, sure. They're at a wedding. Everyone's invited. Everything's fine. You know, the classic, your friends kidnap and try to murder your fiance thing anyways. um, And then when they're like, at the front, and of course, it's an outdoor wedding. You can imagine the rom-com outdoor wedding, you know, the green lawn. And then we have Amanda Detmer show up, and she's in trapeze clothes. She has like a trapeze kind of bikini top on. And she's like, I love you. And he's like, I love you. And then Amanda Pete is freaking out. She's like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell? And then Amanda Pete and Steve Zahn get into a physical fight, but it turns into them making out. It's like they knock out each other's teeth and it's like, oh, look, they're so aggressive. They should be together. I'm like, no, this is a mutually abusive relationship. What the fuck is this movie? They beat the shit out like, of each I'm other. Like, this is not, each like teeth two out. abusers does not make it okay. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I, it's, it, <laughs> It, it's just it's it's bad it's and, real oh, bad well, it's jack terrible. black and the coach end up together because the coach jack black is like yeah i'm gay and the coach is like oh yeah same and then they end up together um but i can't even like stand them because the coach still thinks that women should be murdered <laughs> like i don't even get to enjoy them coming into their truths yeah, it, it, yeah. It ends with just like a like a three part wedding where like all of the main characters marry each other, and also Neil Diamond shows. Oh yeah, Neil Diamond <laughs> is the one. It's like the power of love. He just shows up at the end, and he like brings everyone together, and he's just like, you know, this is this is what I was born to do: bring people together with my music and like ah. I don't I, I don't care. It's literally like the most psychotic propaganda for couple dumb. It's like you must be in a couple even if you beat the shit out of each other or one of you is a murderer <laughs> or like what? Like what the hell? It is it is honestly it's like it, this is like this it's is, almost so bad. Like it's not fun. I'm not saying anyone should watch it, but it is actually almost so bad that I want to make people watch it to know that it's real. <laughs> like that we didn't make it up. Like it's so ridiculous. Well, I know about it because it used to be on Comedy Central all the time. Yeah. And, I, and I never watched it all the way through, but I was just like, this looks like shit. And then I and then I decide we do it for the podcast, and it's like it's so much worse. It's so much worse than I thought. I can't Lackley. believe it. I can't believe it. Like I can't it all believe happened. It. Like it's all it's all real. 
I just, I can't believe it. I just, I, I don't know what else to say, except I can't believe it. I can't fucking believe, I can't believe this exists. I would like, I would like to imagine that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I, I think about the scripts that you have, that I have, that our friends have, and how we will go over it and we will doubt ourselves and we will say, this needs another edit. Will anyone care? And then I see this movie and it has been made. And I think the best thing we could get out of this is inspiration. (laughs) Like, this was made. (laughs) Yeah, obviously, I just need to sit down and commit to writing the stupidest shit. Yeah, <laughs> in the it's world, the most stupid draft you could ever conceive of out of your brain, and you know, talk to some boys. Yeah, and I don't even know what to what to suggest as an alternative to this. I know, right? Because, because this, I'm against this entire kind. Of, this, yeah, entire like I'm concept. not like, oh, where's the other one where they kidnap the woman? that I love <laughs> like like let's get that bad boy up I mean it, like yeah it depends on if we want people to see something that is truly truly the genre equivalent or if it's more something that has a lot of the same actors I mean, if Jack Black was more of a part of this, I would just tell people to watch other Jack Black movies because he's a goddamn delight. I mean, Jack Black is so not charming in this movie that I would say the best antidote is School of Rock. Yeah, I mean, School of Rock <laughs> is just, I just think everyone needs to to watch it and re-watch it because it's just so wholesome and it would wash this out of your brain. <laughs> Yeah, please, please wash it out of your brain. Please don't. I mean, if you watched it already, like, there's there's obviously nothing that we can do. We're so sorry that you went through that. Um, I mean, that I appreciate any terrible. of you for listening and, like, being here with us. I feel better just having kind of exercised some of the demon of this experience out. I always love hanging out with you, Jordan, and I appreciate any of you listening in solidarity. <laughs> and oh my god I just figured out what we should do for next week and it might even make us angrier than this so so get ready for that buckle up <laughs> friends uh, <laughs> uh, so yes our theme song is by Clutch Douglas please go on Apple iTunes give us a five star review or on Spotify Stitcher all, all the apps and if we're not on the apps please tell us which app and then we'll get on that app uh, you know, we have a Patreon. Please, please, uh, please pledge. Yes. Sorry, the bonus episodes have been lagging a bit because uh, my my life has been imploding, and I feel like that's very clear to everyone. So that's what's going on. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Um, hopefully, my life will stop imploding. Uh, maybe. Yeah. If you have <laughs> any witches, if you are a witch listening to this, could you cast a good spell on Jordan's life? And I'll take one too. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, bo- we we both deserve good things, and, and you deserve good things too. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. I'm Jordan Girls. Oh wait, I'm Bronwyn. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Yeah.